This is Wordfall, with historical novelist Rosanna M. White, offering our words to the Lord at the crossroads of faith, family, and fiction. Wordfall. So after all these episodes, it finally occurred to me, I should read the post I wrote called Wordfall. Hey! So this is actually where I got the idea for the name for this podcast. And it just kind of dwells on the importance of words. So here we go. Wordfall. As a writer, I'm always aware of the importance of words. As a writer, I pay attention to any mention of them in the Bible. As a writer, I cringe when I realize how carelessly those precious, life-giving syllables are often used. Not just in writing, but in speech, in life. We all know the beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It's a beautiful throwback to Genesis, isn't it? Where God spoke creation into being. A poetic illustration of how Christ fulfills the promises set forth in the very beginning. A fine example of how powerful words, the word, really are. Words create But conversely, words can destroy. Why are lies so dangerous? Why is bearing false witness one of the big ten? Because words are one of the most powerful tools we have at our disposal, and the Lord wants us to use them wisely. Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. When we use words with the express goal of damaging others, we are not pleasing God. He wants us to edify each other, to encourage. Even if we're calling out someone's mistakes, something we are definitely told to do, we're given strict instructions on how to do it. Why? Because it matters. Because God knows that if we just go up to our friend and say, you are such an idiot, then we're going to be hurting them, not helping them. Our words need to be a stepping stone for others, not a stumbling block. And so we need to take care that when we speak, it's with the love of the Lord shining through us. I think this is a pretty simple idea, and one that most people understand on some level. They know very well that the old sticks and stones rhyme is about as false as it gets. And yet, how often do we speak things that we later regret? How often do we send a rash, nasty email and then wish we could call it back? How often do we make a dire prediction about someone, rather than going to them and lovingly admonishing them? Are we then surprised when our predictions come true? As we must account for every idle word, so we must for every idle silence. That's from Benjamin Franklin, Poor Richard's Almanac. One of the ideas presented in the book of James that always struck me the most is that we're not just held accountable for what we do and say— but for what we know we ought to do and say and don't. God judges our hearts and our motives. That means that if the Spirit whispers, go, but we hem and haw and stay put, afraid of not coming off right, then we're doing something wrong. It's tough, right? We don't want to hurt people by speaking amiss, and we're never quite sure we're going to say the right things. We don't want to be held accountable for using words to hurt someone, But then he tells us we'll also be held accountable for not saying or doing things. Ah, help us, God. 
Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. God doesn't leave us floundering after giving us these commands. Thank heavens. He gave us a whole book to help us. Jesus came to help us redefine. And then the Spirit was given to teach you all things and to bring to your remembrance all the things I, Jesus, said to you. We can do this. We can use our words as he ordained. Whether you are a quiet, introspective person or an exuberant extrovert, whether you write epics or the occasional email, we are all still held to that standard. As one of those people who writes countless emails a day, who has written thousands of pages of fiction over the years, and who is partly responsible for choosing which books Whitefire produces, I think about this standard a lot. I know the fear of words being taken wrongly by readers, of them being misused, of being judged harshly for them. I know the fear of not writing things as I ought, of it being more about me than God, of getting carried away with my wisdom, and so not fulfilling my ultimate goal of sharing his. That is why I bathe my work in prayer. Day in, day out, I beg him to help me write his words. Yes, I know they don't hold a candle to the word that he's already inspired in his writers long ago, but if I can help expound on the truths laid out in the Bible, well, this will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Psalm 102.18 Years ago, a reader emailed me. She said that as she reads, she keeps a notebook handy. And when something strikes her as true or encourages her or helps her understand a gem of the Lord's wisdom, she writes down the line from the book, the title, the author, why it spoke to her. I was really touched to learn that I had a page in this notebook of hers. She shared with me how important she feels words are, how powerful, and how much she admires writers for living by them. And I thanked her for the enormous blessing she bestowed upon me by letting me see that the books I sweat and cry over have an effect. This is what God wants us to do with our words, to mutually build one another up, to encourage, to edify, to be a blessing. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of his wondrous works, Psalm 105 two. Have you ever noticed how everything in the Bible ends in praise? Read the Psalms. Even the ones that are lamentations end in hope. They end in glorifying the Lord. With a few exceptions, each and every song written by the psalmist will show a heart poured out and given over to the Lord's will, which by nature requires praise. In the epistles, the writers will admonish, direct, and guide, and then they end with a prayer and praise. Why? Because that's what our words are meant to do. We are to shine for the Lord, to glorify him through the words of our mouth, just as he breathed life into us with his. He guides us. He calls us. And when we say in response, here I am, Lord, then we are fulfilling our potential. My ultimate prayer is that we can be like Samuel. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. That's First Samuel 3.19. Lord, let our words never fall to the ground. Let them all fly heavenward to you, for you, that through them you may shine. Check out rosannamwhite.com for information about me or my books and to subscribe to my newsletter. This episode of Wordfall is brought to you by the Tea Party Book Club. Books, tea, great conversation, all from the convenience of your own home. 
To see what this month's book is and to reserve a seat, go to rosannamwhite.com and click the Tea Party Book Club tab or follow the link in the show notes. Wordfall is a proud part of the White Fire Podcast Network. Please visit whitefire.tv slash podcast for other shows I know you'll love.